We are on week nine of our series of thought on family values, and our family value number nine is we are servant-hearted. So, <clears throat> on, your, on your chair or chair near you, um, you would see a familiar form. We've had these out before, um, and we would love for you to be part of what we're doing, in, as in we're building the church, um, involved in the community, and actually allowing God to, to do something on our heart. So if, if, if you're not signed up to anything, feel free to sign up to something this morning. Um, and if you are serve, serving in any area, um, if you, if you, what I'm asking you to do is fill it out. If, you're, if you've been serving for years, fill it out because um, we've got this thing called church health. And it shows in each congregation the amount of people that are serving within each congregation. And at the moment, we're, we, are the, we are the bottom um, congregation for serving hearts. And I know that's not the case. So I, if, if we're missing some people that are serving, I want to get the figures right. Um, and if we are the bottom congregation for serving, we want to see that change. So it's a double-barreled thing. So today, family church value is servant-hearted. Serving one another and serving the purposes of God in our generation. You know, there is a great passage of scripture that's, that speaks about we are serving, or David was serving the purposes of God in his generation. But I, I don't believe that should be a statement for one person. I believe that statement should be ours. We should, we should take a hold of that and say, no, I'm serving the purposes of God in my generation. It's about me taking ownership for the, the, the period of time that I'm here on the earth or the period of time that I have strength in my body, I'm going to serve the purposes of God in my generation. It's so, it, you know, we live in a world where we can be so busy, we can be so consumed, we can be so focused on our life, our family, our world. We forget our next door neighbor, we forget our community, or we forget the body of Christ and, and, and serve in the house. So it's really important that we bring focus into each of these areas. If I rewind a few, only a few years, a few years of my life, when I first really came into church, um, church was all about the church serving me. It was about well, they should be doing this for me, and if I'm sick, they should be praying for me, and if I'm, if I'm struggling, they should be around where I am, and um, it, it, the music should be about what I like and how I like it. And, and it, Church was all about me. It was about my needs and what I'd had. I'd, I'd encountered the forgiveness of God. I, I knew that I had been forgiven of my sin. I had encountered, to a degree, the love of God. Those two things were probably the two most important things to me. I was forgiven and I was loved. And, but that was about it. That was about my encounter with God. I knew I was forgiven and going to heaven. And I knew that God loved me because actually he loved the whole world. And that included me in it. And that was about my experience when I first started to go to church as an adult. But the problem with that, I turned up, I was a consumer, 
I enjoyed the meeting, I enjoyed being around people, and then I enjoyed leaving and getting on with my life. In fact, during the summer, <laughs> Alan Hazel and, and um, Margaret Rope may remember this, um, I, I would literally, we would do the service, I would be the first out the door, I would strip off down to my shorts, and I would just sunbathe while everybody else did everything else that they were doing. Because it was more important that I got a suntan than it was being a part of the church. And that's how I was. As a football analogy, an analogy is this. I was part of the crowd who watched others who were playing the game. And I think this is a really good analogy. I was watching others playing the game. But you know what? There is something far better than watching others play the game. And that's playing the game yourself. It's, play, it's getting involved and, and being a part of, of the heartbeat of the church, the heartbeat of what God is doing, rather than just observing and saying, well, they're doing well and that group's doing well and the connect groups are is saying, I want to be a part of that team. You know, you may be here and you've, you've seen over the years the amazing worship team that we've got, and we have. But over the few months, we've seen that worship team musically struggling a little bit more. You may have a musical talent and a musical gifting, or, like it was in the early days, you have a desire to play, but you've never thought that we would give you the opportunity. We want you to know that we want you to be a part of our team. So one day I realized that there was something better than just watching, something better than observing, something better than just being a crowd it was rolling up my sleeves and saying, I can be a part. I can get involved. I'm going to be full on in this journey. And do you know what? That profoundly affected who I was. Because then I wasn't on the outside looking in. I was on the inside. And I saw the amount of work that others were doing. I saw the amount of energy and passion for God's house. I saw the amount of desire for their personal walk with God. And it changed who I was. It made me feel divinely connected. Remember the puzzle last week of how important that piece of puzzle is for each one of us being who we are so that we connect with one another. The more we are involved, the more that puzzle begins to grow. The more we feel connected with the other pieces around us. Living beyond ourselves. This is really what servant-heartedness is all about. It is living beyond ourselves. It, you know, I don't want that to be a, a statement in your life. I want it to be an actuality, a fact that I am actually living beyond, beyond my four walls of my home, beyond the four or, or, the, or the, the eight hours that I go to work, or beyond all of that. I'm living beyond myself. See, I could turn around, or you could turn around to me and say, well, Pastor Jeff, I, 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 do, I work a full-time week, full hours every day. I, I'm, I'm busy. I'm, I, I haven't got time really now to, as, as much as I would have done one time. I haven't got time to, to, to give to the house of God. Do you know what? There are, there are numerous individuals that I could pull up and stand next to me today who are doing full-time jobs, full-time employment, 
and yet they still give their very best to the house of God. And I think it's just amazing. I, I, I do step back in amazement and think how much people give to God. How much of their life. And it's not done out of, well, if I don't do it, no one else will. In some cases, it may, be, it may feel like that. But it's done because they love the house. It's done because they love God, first and foremost. And because they love the house, and because they love God, they're willing to give of their time. But can you imagine if we all live beyond ourselves? Beyond our agenda. You know, I, I, I'm employed for 40-hour week. That's my daytime jobs. And then I work on, on a regular basis three nights a week. You say, oh, well, that, that, how, you, do you get overtime for that? No. I, I'm, I'm waiting for the day that the church start paying overtimes for salvation. For if you, get, if you get an ingrown toenail and you get healed, I, I may get an extra tenner. If you get raised from the dead, I get a bonus of a thousand. But we, we're not there, you know. My reward is in heaven. I know that. I know that. <coughs> so, it's living beyond ourselves. Do we? Do you? See, I can't, I don't know what goes on in your world. I don't know what goes on behind your closed doors. I don't know what you're involved in necessarily in the heart of the house. But you do. You know your journey. You know how involved or how little. How much more you'd want to be, but you're not able to. How much physically you'd love to be able to. In the times my mum at 83, you know, I think it was 82, you decided to join the hosting team. I think that's just amazing. 82 and joining the team. I hope I've got that sort of energy when I'm that age. I'll still be cutting the grass. It'd be great. With a new lawnmower, that'd be great. Another lawnmower, you know, the one we got right now is great, but by then that'd be worn out. But living beyond them, so will I be, I expect. <laughs> anyway, living beyond ourselves is a great statement. But can you imagine if we all had that mindset? Living beyond ourselves, living beyond my front door, living beyond my community as a family and looking to the community of others. Because we've all been called to serve. You know, it's, it's almost become a dirty word in church. There's two dirty words in church. One is tithing and the other one is serving. And do you know what? Church is made up of tithers. Because without the tithers, the church wouldn't function. And it's made up of people who serve. But it's the two words in church that are dirty words. And how dare a pastor talk about them. But Jesus said that we are to be like him. And Jesus didn't come to receive, he came to give. He didn't come to serve, to be served, he came to serve others. For Mark chapter 10, <coughs> Mark chapter 10 verse 44 says this. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be the slave of all, or the servant of all of all, or the one who is willing to, to support other people. Whoever, whoever among you desires to be first shall be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for a ransom for many. 
Jesus came to give of himself. Not, not now and again. You, you read through the, the Gospels and you read through these moments when, when Jesus went into a town or a city and news of him had gone before him and he was there and he was healing all that were sick and all that were oppressed of the devil all night long. He was there serving the people, giving them of who he was, releasing the anointing of God upon every life that came to him. Over and over and over, the three and a half years that Jesus was in ministry on this earth, it was about serving the purposes of God. He was born on purpose and for a purpose. The Son of Man, the Son of God, the one who came to take away the sin of the world. He took away his heavenly privileges and came as a man to serve the purposes of God. He did and fulfilled his role, and then he gave up his life upon a cross. I, I look at the Jesus, Jesus' example, and I say, I want to be like Jesus. Whether that's staying up all night praying, or whether that's having a prayer meeting so that we can pray and lay hands on people, whether that's having a worship night and giving myself to God, witnessing for him and sharing the love of God that he poured out over my life to those around me. That is one aspect of me serving God. Another aspect is saying, okay, do the gardens need doing? I'm going to roll up my sleeves and I'm going to get involved. Does the kitchen need the paneling put on? I'm going to put the paneling on. Does it need hoovering? I'm going to get the hoover out and I'm going to hoover. Do you know, that's serving the body. We all have a responsibility to serve God first. We have a responsibility to serve one another. But do you know what? We have a responsibility to our community. How we serve our community. How we love them. How we portray the love of God in some way. And caring hands is just one of those ways. But it's a huge way that we can do it. And some people may say, oh, I'll get, I'll get fed up with hearing about caring hands. No, it's our greatest outreach ministry right now. Touching desperate lives in real situations. And, and you know, how, how clear the Bible is about feed the poor, look after the widows, minister into the needs of those that need it most. And that is what we've taken on as our ministry call right now. God sent his son as the ultimate servant. What was the servant doing? What was Jesus doing? He was showing us the way. He was showing us the direction in which we should go. When we volunteer to serve, we're actually showing ourselves to be like-minded. To be like him. When you serve, I, I, I said it once quite a while ago, we are most like God when we give. For God so loved the world that he gave. We are most like God when we give. And I believe we're most like Jesus when we serve. Because he served, we serve also. And if you want to look like Jesus, if you want people to think they've got to be a Christian, it's, it's serving the needs of one another. Meeting the need, finding the need, meeting the need, and serving the need wherever that would be. Galatians, if you've got your Bible, turn to Galatians chapter 5. <clears throat> Verse 13. Galatians, <coughs> excuse me. 
Galatians 5.13. For you, brethren, sisteren, <laughs> those in the church, I'm not going to be politically correct anyway. For you, brethren, and don't feel you can get away with it, ladies. You have, you have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Love is key. I'm going to refer back to this passage in a little while. But the key to serving one another is actually do we love one another? Do we care deeply for one another? Do we look at the needs around us in the house of God and say, Clearly, they're doing too much. I will step in and make a difference. I'm going to help out here. I'm going to make that happen there. I've not seen the kids' church workers in for a long time. I'm going to serve, not because I feel it's my call, but because of love. Love is the call. Love enables the call. And if we've got it in our ability to serve and show love to one another, let's do so. I want to ask this question this morning. How can I best serve one another in church through the week and in my own personal life? How can I? I don't want How can I as an individual, how can you as an individual best serve God, best serve the church, and best serve the community? Because I believe all three of those should be active in our life to some degree or another. Because they're the three aspects. Absolutely. Serving God, absolutely. Serving in the house. Well, we're here once a week, gathered together. But there are other meetings that go on through the week. You know, you could serve on the worship team. You could serve on the youth work. You could serve in the Care and Hands ministry. There are activities that go on through the week that you connect groups. You could serve as a connect group leader. Woo-hee! We, want a, we want to have so many more connect groups running at the beginning of next year because we want to see everybody in a connect group. That means giving up one night a week or if you do yours alternate weeks, that you give up one night per other, each other week to be a part of a connect group where you grow together, where you enjoy life together. We want to see that happen because we want to see the strength of God's house. So how can you serve one another, serve God and serve in, in God's house and serve in your own personal walk with God? The goal for all of us is living beyond ourselves in serving the living God. It's not just about my witness or my worship or my prayer life or reading my word. It's not my relationship in serving God is not just those things. But serving his bride serves him. Serving the lost serves him. Each of those that we do, ultimately, he needs to be the focus of it. Because otherwise we're serving men and not serving God. So in everything, let's be focused, God-focused. <clears throat> I guess, again, in this journey of mine, as I, as I connected to the church, and it was all about the church serving me and about God doing something for me, and then I realized out of a love relationship, he who is loved much, or sorry, he who is forgiven much, loves much, 
I realized how much God loved me by the amount he forgave me. And because I then experienced that love and forgiveness together, and I saw the community of God's house, the family, the household of faith. I saw a body of people who accepted me for who I was, not trying to change me to how they felt I should be. They allowed me time to grow. They allowed me time to find my relationship with God, which allowed me to become strong in who I was, not based on what others felt I should be. And, and I think that was a, that was a liber- liberating moment that I, I, could see, I could see in others an absolute desire for God. But I wasn't there yet. I could see the sacrifices and the love that others were giving to God. But I wasn't there yet. But because I allowed the iron sharpening iron to take place in my life. What I saw in them became what was real in me. It wasn't fake, it became real. And, and I believe that that was a part of my journey. And, and I would say to each and every one of us in this room, when you see those who are faithfully serving in whatever that is, that could be our worship team. And, and do you know what? A number of our worship team, they come from a night shift and then serve and sing you know they don't they don't have their eyes dropping they love god they worship him but i can imagine internally they're thinking i'm tired because i've just done a night shift but hey i worship the lord first and and i'm, I'm i i am genuinely amazed at our team the worship team the hosting team i look at darren and I think how faithful over 16 years that Darren, 17 years that Darren's been faithfully serving the house. I look around and I think, you know, there are many who have been, you know, Stephen Davina, Davina being on media today. 25 years ago, they joined Family Church Portsmouth and were serving on the media team um, all those years ago and are faithfully still serving in God's house. That just speaks, not just, I don't believe that just speaks volumes to my heart, but I believe God looks at that. And you may not be the world's greatest evangelist, but he doesn't look at the world's greatest evangelist. He looks at faithfulness. He looks, he looks at our faithfulness to continue doing what we do without grumbling or complaining, and we just continue to do it with a great heart. That speaks volumes in heaven. And the key is, I want us all to feel that we have our rewards. When we're faithfully serving here on earth, I will get to this (coughs) a little bit later. Us faithfully serving here on earth, parable of the talents, the five, the, th- uh, the th- three, and the, t- and the two. <coughs> Excuse me. Well done, good and faithful servant. Guess what I want for you when you get to heaven? I want you to hear those words. Not, you lazy. <laughs> okay, I want you to hear, well done. Not, what do you think you're doing here? <laughs> well done, good and faithful 
servant. They're the things that you're going to hear. Not, not, oh, what an incredible evangelist it was. What an amazing apostle you were. Look at all the churches that you planted. No, well done, good and faithful servant. Before I am pastor, I am servant of all. I will serve and serve not just God's house, but individuals that we've walked with over the years where I've given beyond what any pastor that I know of, not to brag on me, but I sit amongst many other pastors who are amazed at some of the things that I've done over the years for some of the people that I've done for. Why? Because I am a servant. I pastor, but my title is servant. You read through the epistles, and Paul very often said, a servant, a bondservant, and an apostle. His, who he was, was a servant first. Peter, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, and an apostle. When you get to heaven, I want you to hear those words. I won't be, no. <laughs> Not in your case, Sylvia. You'll be there before me, I trust. <laughs> I can say that because you're a little bit older than I am. Ooh. Well done, good and faithful. Listen to, this is Peter. This is Pe the, way Peter <coughs> the way Peter wrote this is a brilliant. In 1 Peter 4, he said, you've been gifted. You've been gifted by God. You may be sat here right now and you think, oh, I don't think I'm gifted by God. Who are you to argue with God? Is there anybody prepared to say, no, I don't think I'm gifted? Good. In that case, every one of you in this room realize this is God speaking to you this morning. First Peter 4.10 says this, just as each one of you have received a special gift, a spiritual talent and ability graciously given by God. Let's pause there. You have been gifted. You have received a special gift, a spiritual talent and ability. Your ability may be cleaning out a toilet, it may be hoovering a floor, or it may be giving someone the biggest welcome that they think, I'm going to come back to this place because they felt welcomed. They felt accepted. They felt loved. See, the, 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 the Bible, I think, oh, I don't know, Romans, Corinthians, somewhere around there, it says, if your gift is encouraging, then encourage. If your gift is giving, then give. Because we often think that the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, but that's just one portion. You know, there's the other portion in Ephesians, as the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. These are gifts. But here, he's talking about each one of you, every single person in this room, whether that's you, Charlie, or whether that's you, Jerry, every one of us. Let me read it again. Just as each one of you have received a special gift, a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God, employ it in serving one another as is appropriate for good stewards of God's multifaceted grace, faithfully using the diverse, varied gifts and abilities granted to Christians by God's unmerited favor. 
Whoever speaks to the congregation is to do so as one who speaks the oracles, the utterances, and the very words of God. I'll tell you what, being out the front here, there is a weight upon my life that I don't take lightly as I share and communicate the word of God with you week in, week out. It is the utterances, the oracles, and the very words of God. And I never want to take that lightly. But then it goes on and it says, whoever serves the congregation, I believe that's every single person in this room. Whoever serves the congregation is to do so as one who serves by the strength which God abundantly supplies. See, if you're not serving in the house, does that mean that you don't really need the strength that God abundantly supplies? I'm sure we'll still give it, but you know, for those who serve by the strength which he abundantly supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified, honored, and magnified. Do you know what? When you serve, God is honored and glorified. When you serve and you don't feel like it, but you still do it. God is glorified, honored, and magnified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. I love these words because they're inclusive. Each one of you has received a special gift. And then it's both empowering and releasing. Now go and use it. Now go and be active. Be busy about your father's business. You may think, I don't really know what God's gift is. Do something. You may, find, you may think you cannot make a cup of tea to save your life. Great, give it a go. Because someone may turn around and say, that's the best cup of tea I've ever had. You may have a few others over here go, Phew. <laughs> but for someone, you may have made their brew. All right? You may just have made their day. You, you may be a, a, an encourager with a great big smile. Stevie, when you're on the door, I'm not saying about anybody else. <sighs> I've done it, and I? I've done it. <coughs> Stevie is a smiler, and she's bubbly. And she makes a difference when people walk through that door. Once seen, never forgotten. But she's, she brings joy. And I think that's what, I, that's what we need on the door. Full stop. <laughs> Full stop. I'm learning. I think. What's the time? Shall I bring this to a close? <laughs> Oh, damn. Yeah. Thank you. Give me a moment. Right. I'm going back to the verse that we spoke about earlier. That is such a wet bottle. The key to seeing a church a congregation, a gathering of people, the key for us all serving is us loving. 
Loving God, loving his house, and loving one another. And if we do those, if we recognize that love is the key, love will roll up your sleeves. Love will make you go the extra mile. Love is the key to all of this. And I've got this scripture. We looked at 1 Peter 4, verse 10. I want us to go back to verse 8. And it says this in verse 8. Above all, can you say that with me? Above all. all. In that case, I think Peter's trying to say something here. He's trying to underline something. He's trying to emphasize something. He says, above all, have fervent and unfailing love for one another. Because love covers a multitude of sins. It overlooks unkindness. And it unselfishly seeks the best for others. I think love is the key. I tell you, when we, as, as we, not when we, as we continue to build our relationships with one another, as we continue to grow in love for God and for one another, that love will cause each one to say, what can I do? How can I help? Where can I serve? I love the fact that we've got our ignition. At, at the moment, we've got our ignition um, Lads and lasses in with us. Do you know what? Some of you are quite techy minded. I'd love for some of you to be willing to serve on the, um, on the sound and the media team. Why wait until you're 30 before you serve in church? That's not in the Bible. The only reason that it could take you to your 30 is if you don't see your parents serve. And I'm not looking anywhere now. (laughs) If you don't see your parents serve, guess what? As you're taught, you then grow up and do. But if you see others serve, serving will be a very natural part of the journey of our life. Above all, have Fervent love. Jesus didn't need to to whip his disciples up to serve. They saw how Jesus lived his life and said, I want to live just like him. I want to live. And the New Testament church was a church that loved one another. They loved God and they loved their community. You can see that over and over again in how they serve one another and the lives of those around them. I want to finish. I'm going to finish. As I was, as I was uh, going over the message in the week, I was suddenly reminded of the great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us. They've run their race. They've, they've finished. Their crown has been given to them and they're They're now there watching from heaven on the grandstand of life. And I also believe that the eyes of the Lord go to and fro upon the face of the earth. He's watching our lives. And if we had a heavenly clapometer or clapometer, do you remember the the programs on TV? I remember Opportunity Knocks, I think it was, and they all start clapping. I was going to do something really, I, I thought that was a great idea. I was unwell at the time. I thought it was a great idea. And then I ran it past Jane and she said, you can't do that. <laughs> and I thought, no, I probably can't. 
but I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna call out a name, and we were all gonna clap to the degree where we thought, oh, they serve well, heavens, clapometer, and then call out another name, and people think, who's that? It's like, I thought that's not gonna work. <laughs> I thought it was a great. Name. I went through all these different names. She said, you can't do that. So this, this is my, my secondary version. <laughs> so if we had a heavenly clapometer, what would the clapometer for you be? Let me give you a practice. Come on, let, 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 let the Holy Spirit speak to you here. If heaven's applause was over your life right now in the way in which you serve God, you serve his house, and you serve in the community, would that be your clap? Or would it be... I don't want the applause of man, but I do want the applause of heaven. I don't want the applause of the congregation, but I do want the applause of what Jesus sees me doing that no man will ever see. I want the applause of heaven. Because the applause of heaven... is the well-done, good, and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I don't know what that means to you, what you felt when you heard the initial clap. You can see why Jane told me off. Thanks, Phil. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine it? Oh, dear. Thanks, Lyndon. <laughs> it would have been so wrong. That's why I'm not going to carry on. <coughs> it is about the applause of heaven. Everything that we do is for the audience of one. When you worship, it's for the audience of one. When you pray... It's for the audience of one. When you read the word of God, it's for the audience of one. When you serve in God's house, it's for the audience of one. I may let you down and I may not pat you on the back and say, thank you, I saw what you did. Thank you, I saw what you did. I thank you that you... I may let you down. But you will never feel undervalued 
or underestimated when you do it for the audience of one. So this morning you got, you, you got, also, you got the piece of paper around you. You may be given all that you can right now, and that is awesome. You may not be given as much as you think you could. Consider what God is saying to you today. Because I believe that he's calling us as a church to be a church that are servant-hearted, God-lovers, touching our community and showing love amongst us. Fantastic. I'm going to leave it there.